This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome man. This is our long-form analysis episode for the month of May. 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 Even though we're recording it in April. May, April. Guys, That's okay. we don't know which end is up or which end is down, we're but we are recording at fucking a breakneck pace. We're trying to get ahead because I'm going to go on a long vacation uh, in... Uh, in like the middle of the summer and we're trying to get ahead now because we know we're just going to be inundated with work if it's we just don't do be it now. It's going to be a bomb so, if we don't do like it like 60 days I'm going on vacation yeah. and it's like, okay, well, we got to get it. We got to get it done. So we are, we're recording extra episodes at this point and uh, so we're recording a little bit ahead. This article... Um, it's a great article. Great article. Uh, Tom read it for patrons. Uh, this is also in the New Yorker. We'll post a link to it. Uh, How Christian is Christian Nationalism? This is by Kelfa Sana. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I don't know either. You know, I didn't know who this person was. So I looked them up. I was like, well, who are they? What have they written? They're a music critic. Really? So they write mostly music criticism, and they also write about boxing for The New Yorker. I and love this. This is the first, I after scrolling through the stuff, this feels like the first sort of serious article I've ever, I mean, now don't get me wrong, the other stuff is serious, yeah, right? right? Like, I mean, music criticism and understanding music and yeah, things like but that. But I know what you mean, like, like is, political, topical. But, yeah, but this is the first sort of... Uh, I guess deep topic, you know, right. deep, deep topic, you know, how Christian is Christian nationalism. Really interesting article that that comes at it from a ton of different ways. So I got to rewind real quick because I want to ask you this question. Do you look up who writes articles a lot? I, I've never done that in my life. I do it on occasion just to sort of see like, especially if I'll read a line and I'll think, what do you mean by this line here? Huh. Do you have any kind of background that I can then say, what do I glean from this line? Because it's not telling me everything. It's open-ended. Okay. So I wonder, what's your stance? What okay. is your stance? How how do you, because it feels like the, the way this article ends, the way this article ends, and so the, the article itself is talking about Christian nationalism and how Christian nationalism might be what regular Christians think is Christianity, right? There's a big push in this where they talk about that. Then there's also this other piece where they talk about very specifically people who were surveyed as Christians and they talk about the survey results from that. And then they, they, he, he, he brings up a lot of different points and a different points of view, reviewing uh, many different books that he's read and, and their takes on how Christian is, you know, how, how Christian nationalist is Christianity. 
And then he gets to the end of the article and the line that got me was something like he's saying, um, talking about the cyclical nature of Christianity becoming in vogue and out of vogue mm-hmm. and whether or not there's going to be another resurgence of Christianity. And the way that line is written, I can read it because I did quote it. Let me read it really quick. So he says at the end of the article, but the underlying idea is that recent trends will continue, that churches will continue emptying out and that Christianity will become an ever more tribal identity. The secular country that emerges might be increasingly free, anxious, and unpredictable, less prayer in schools, more shamans in the capital. Why should we assume, though, that these trends are irreversible and that most of today's Americans are beyond the reach of a message that has reached many for so long? Earlier periods of secularization in America have given way to periods of Christian renewal. Is the next Christian revival just around the corner? It seems hard to believe, but surely not impossible. And and the, the line that got me was that line about why should we assume, though, that these trends are irreversible and that most of today's Americans are beyond the reach of a message that has reached many for so long? And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what's, you know, just because something has been, you know, popular in the past doesn't necessarily make it more right. It doesn't make it more, sure, more right. valuable. Why? do you say that? And I couldn't glean it from his history. I couldn't decide whether or not he was writing this as a Christian or not. I don't know either. One of the things that I thought like was like the central piece that like struck me as like really interesting was the idea of Christian nationalism as being divorced from Christianity itself and being more of a cultural identity. Yeah. And I feel like intuitively that 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 feels deeply true to me in the same way that like and they and they they make an analogy or a comparison in this article in the same way that like there is an idea of Judaism which is secular that there is this idea of Christian nationalism which is increasingly cultural and and almost secular yeah. rather than really rooted in any kind of theocratic like underpinning at all and I think that that feels right <clears throat> that feels right because what what Christian nationalism has really morphed into has very little to do with most mainstream Christian thinking, most mainstream Christian teaching. Like, like the obsession, like the, the, for a great example, I think, as I was thinking about this today, a great example is the interconnectedness of Christian nationalism and gun culture. There is literally nothing at all religiously to connect guns with Christianity. There is nothing there. There's nothing there. Sure. But there's culturally something there. Christian nationalism and our gun culture are inextricably linked. They feel part and parcel. They feel like, you know, people have this sense that their guns are a part of their religious identity. And I think that there's this idea now that, like, our our, our sense of ourselves, um, not our, like, broad speaking, but their sense of themselves as white ethnocentric Christian Americans is built up around this sort of idea that increasingly like has nothing to do with anything in the Bible at all. You know, it's, it's instead become this mishmash of political teachings, racism, football, (laughs) racism, guns, country music, you know, like all I'm, I'm kind of spitballing, but like, I'm also not like, there's all these like pieces of Americana yeah. that are sort of like tied to this. And they're specifically white Americana. Yeah, very, very Like much. this is not a multicultural Americana. Yeah. They're white male 
you know, they're very specific and, and none of that stuff has necessarily got anything to do with Jesus or the Bible or yeah. theology. Not very much. I wonder, <clears throat> because they, they do seem to use the same language and the same, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to put this into words, but they demonize their enemies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there is a good and an evil. Yeah, right. right? And so that plays really well into Christianity. For it sure. It plays really yeah. well into Christian mindset to create a, uh, a struggle between good and evil, and then to put yourself on the side of good mm-hmm. and to put the, your enemies or the people who you disagree with on the side of evil, and then to create all these little tiny wars with all these demons or bad people or whatever, the Satanists. I mean, they're not Satanists. They're just like, they're evil. They're, they're, they're the forces of darkness. Right. They're the forces of evil. And that's a tactic that's constantly used. There's also, I think... Uh, there's there's plenty of prophecy in that too, where they get the word and then they tell you what to believe because they heard the word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you think about Christian nationalism, right. there's a divinely inspired word to make it. So it's it still does have that connection. It's not completely divorced like a secular Jew would be completely yeah, divorced right, right. from any kind of... Uh, but it's almost a, a spiritualism. Yeah. It's almost like an American spiritualism yeah, right. that is like that's that's becoming its own theology that's different from I I I do think that like American Christianity would be in many ways like impossible to understand from a European Christianity standpoint. But it shouldn't be. Sure. If if theologically no, they you're were right, you're right. They were they were using the same tools and to I mean, but yeah. like American Christianity is this like whole spiritual suitcase full yeah. of shit. I tend to think that even just like a liberal Christianity would have a hard time understanding some of these very conservative Christianities yeah. in any way. I, the Quakers um, couldn't understand yeah, this. I, I, th- I, I know plenty of people <clears throat> that are religious and I also know plenty of people who are like, you know, they're deeply, some of these people that are religious are deeply involved in social movements that are very liberal, mm-hmm. right? sustainable development in uh, in countries that, you know, need aid, uh, immigration, uh, women's issues, LGBT issues, right. deeply ingrained deeply so. yeah. in mm-hmm. these things. And I feel like they wouldn't be able to, in fact, a lady that I work with, the, I don't know what kind, what flavor of Christian he is, but she had mentioned that the same church or it's not the same church, but it's the same umbrella church, Presbyterian maybe, that Jeff Sessions is in. So she's, she's her denomination is the same denomination as Jeff Sessions, just like a different, like right. a left and a right or something. You sure, know what I mean? Right. And so there's, I think there's big, huge divides in religious people in this country, huge divides sure. that where they can't even see each other. But the more I see this right wing racist Christianity rear its head, the mm-hmm. more I wonder why there's that there's people who are adamantly against that sort of thing don't reject the the underlying Christianity. It it makes me wonder like, why would, because, you know, when I think about somebody who does bad things, right? Like think about somebody who does something bad that's in say the atheist community, right? Mm -hmm. 
if somebody did something bad, we just wouldn't associate with them. And we'd be like, I wouldn't associate with them anymore. <clears throat> right. I can't get rid of my atheism. I can't be like, I'm not an, I'm not an yeah, atheist. Yeah, I can't wake up. But yeah, I also right. cannot identify as one, right? I sure. think, right. I think it, 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 you know, when we first started out, we very much identified with the yeah. atheist movement. But once we saw there's a bunch of chuckle fucks in there, we we're just like, nah, man, we're going to be skeptical. Yeah, right. We'll be caring people, right? But we're I'm humans not an, now. Yeah, I'm not an yeah. atheist right. guy. I'm not right. a guy who's like, here's an atheist thing. Right. Like I, on occasion, I'll have those atheist activists on the show, right? But I'm not that guy. Yeah, it's not my torch, right? Yeah. I'm not going to do that, right? <clears throat> and so, mm-hmm. like, like I, 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 I feel like I will easily just leave that in the past and walk away from that if I find that that's something that like it's full of a bunch of chuckle fucks, right? Yeah. And I wonder why people don't, and I, and I, and I know the answer is it's so ingrained and it's so part of your life that it's impossible to walk away from. It's not impossible because plenty of people do it. Right. But, but it's very tough. It's tough. It's, it's tough very, to walk very away tough. From. And I wonder too about like people of color who see the, any rise of racist Christian nationalism. I wonder how they feel about still remaining Christian. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they even can, I, cause as, as you were talking like I was thinking that for a lot of Christian nationalists, the Christianity itself is very likely to be inconvenient because what they're really worshiping is nationalism, sure, white nationalism. Yeah, they're worshiping a white ethno-nationalist state. That's the worship that they're performing. The Christianity, I think, gives them a sort of like structuralism yeah. that they can use in order to frame their worship, but like what they're really like going to the altar for isn't Jesus. It's America as they see it and want it to be an America that doesn't exist, but an America that they fantasize for themselves. And I think for those folks, which I think is really like the, the QAnon shaman is a great example. Yeah. He's he's mentioned in this article a couple of times. That's a fascinating character because that character is like he like like is a light bringer and all this like and there's this mishmash now of different sort of like theological ideas that are still that are that are that are at once absolutely incompatible yeah. with one another yeah. right like shamanism is absolutely incompatible with christianity sure. you, might you as well be cannot a Christian recon- witch. right you can't yeah. reconcile them but you can absolutely reconcile them with Christian nationalism because what the worship process revolves around is that flag and the buntings and the Americana and all of these like pieces of America as worshiped and imagined rather than as experienced and as real. But like the Christianity piece I think is, is like at once convenient, but also intellectually inconvenient. I think the same is true of those like, um, Prophet preachers, what are they called? The it's not prophet preachers. Those those prosperity gospel guys, <laughs> prophet, prophet preachers. It's, it's true though, right? They profit off of everybody else. Yeah, right. Yeah, the prophet prophets. Like yeah, the prophet prophets. They're the prophets prophets for the prophet preaching for the prosperity gospel. <laughs> Just I don't know why I did. It rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. The but those guys like same thing. Like the the Christianity is like the tool they use, but it seems like an inconvenient and unwieldy tool. But they think that I think that they know they can use it because people aren't worshiping any of the sort of ideas that are in that book or any of the ideas that even for thousands of years have been sure. part and parcel of Christianity. Instead, it's like, 
yeah, you know, they're, they're worshiping at a different altar. And so we could paint the altar green and they'll worship at this one too. Yeah. They use that. They do use that. Um, you know, while there, it, it, there is a lot of differences. I do feel like they use very often the prophecy to try to get people in line. Yeah, man. And, you know, we saw that with Trump. We saw that in an immense way when we were watching the Christian right before Trump was elected. Yeah. We saw in a huge way, there was a, a moment where they all immediately said, you know, one of them said it out loud and then all the rest of them followed because they're not really talking to God. Right. They're listening to what the other ones say and then they're all agreeing. They're yes-anding and each they, other. And they yes-anded. It's religious improv. They, they yes-anded. He's the chosen one. Yeah. They yes-anded it. Now, they all had different ideas of why he was the chosen one. I don't know if you remember, but like one of them was calling him Cyrus. Yeah. You know, oh, I do was, remember you know, this. Trump's not, he's not a good person, but he's the one who's going to bring the end to the bad state. And so he's yes. not a, he's not a bad person and he's not a good person and he's not really a Christian, but he is God's tool mm -hmm. in this moment. To yeah. Do oh God, things. I do remember this. I'd forgotten that, about that. Yeah. So Trump Cyrus, there was a coin. I don't know if you remember the Trump Cyrus yes. coin. Oh my God, I do. And and I want to read a part of this because if we're talking about Trump, I want to read because it starts and ends with Trump. And mm -hmm. I want to read both the quotes. And so <clears throat> it says, this is Trump saying, I'm a true believer, he said, and he conducted an impromptu poll. He was at a uh, religious place and he says, and, and the quote is, is everybody a true believer in this room? He was scarcely the first presidential candidate to make a religious appeal, but he might've been the first one to address Christian voters so explicitly as a special interest. You have the strongest lobby ever, he said, but I never hear about the Christian lobby. He made his audience promise. He made his audience a promise. If I'm there, you're going to have plenty of power, he said. You are going to have somebody representing you very well. And then at the end of the article, they come back to Trump. So they talk a lot about how Trump sort of treated um, evangelical Christians mm -hmm. as a political party. Right. And he was right. He was 100% right to do that. And it didn't matter, I think, where those evangelical Christians fit on that spectrum. They all voted for him because overwhelmingly yep. those people voted for him. And then he didn't get elected a second time. Right. And then they started wandering away because they recognized that he's a piece of shit. And so at the end of the article, it says, <laughs> during a recent interview, Trump said, they, they also wandered away because he was a fucking loser. Yeah, he was a fucking loser. He was a fucking loser. During a recent interview, Trump said, they won. Roe v. Wade, they won. In his formulation, they meant the Christian lobby, and Trump expressed disappointment that they hadn't done more to support his preferred candidates during the midterms in 2022. Yeah. And you could hear the language that Trump uses, right? He's like, Are we, I'm a true believer in the first part. Mm -hmm. And in the second part, he's saying, the people, those people, those guys, I helped them. Mm -hmm. Those guys, I forgot who fed them. Right. Those yeah. guys forgot who greased their palms. Those, he's not part of that group. No. He's never been part of that group. Yeah. All he did was manipulate them to get voted, and then they manipulated him to create the, the most conservative court in the history of our country. And the whole thing that, like, the part of that, to me, that's, like, really fascinating is, he knows he was manipulated and they know he's not part of them. Yeah. Like they say it out loud. Like in the beginning of that quote, when he says, you have the strongest lobby ever. When you're saying you have a lobby, you're saying, I'm not a part of yeah, your no. in-group. Yeah. 
but you exert influence on me that bends me to your will. Yes, yes. That's what lobbying is. That's what lobbying, exactly. That's what lobbying is. It's being yeah. bent to his special interest's will. Yeah. So when he says that, he's like, but he's, but he's also saying like, he's also recognizing, I think, in, in a really explicit way that others haven't, the um, power of a religious group as something to be catered to in, in a way that's just purely, purely political. Because usually the way that politicians cater to religious groups is they try to be a part of that group. So the way that most politicians try to cater to the religious is they say, I am also religious. Yeah. I am, but I'm he doesn't party. try to he cater no. to them in that way. Instead, he says, Hey, here's the things you want. I'll give them to you. Yeah. He treats him like the gun lobby. And and the thing is, is like, like <clears throat> they took him up on it. They did. They he did what he wanted them to do. Because like what he did was. You know, people think about it as like the extent of it was the Supreme Court, but that's not true because McConnell pushed through so many damn federal judges. Oh, yeah. That now you have federal judges <clears throat> all over the country who are making horrifying Terrible decisions. decisions. Horrifying Scary decisions. Scary decisions. Decisions that hate women, that hate people of color, that that exploit those groups and that that have no... They, it, it proves that it's not a safe country for them right. mm -hmm. when they make those decisions. And those decisions, you have to make the, the Supreme Court this far right so that when this shit rolls uphill, they go, you know, that's fine. Right. No, that's yeah. perfectly mm -hmm. fine. So he had to do that. Yep. And he did it. But he 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 had to have those lower pieces in place too, and those are lifetime appointments, man. This isn't. I, yeah, this have, is. It's like not you said that the there other isn't day, just one lifetime appointment. It's not like it's not like just like the Supreme Court is the only. There's a lot of lifetime appointments that he was handing out, and they handed out a ton of them. Yeah, I mean, didn't Trump fill more judicial vacancies than any other president in, in yeah, modern history? It's in it's intense how many yeah. he had, and then the uh, and that's because. McConnell cock blocked Obama. Obama. Yeah, refused forever. to. Yeah, refused, refused to allow him to, to fill vacancies. Any of them. And then when when Trump came in, they just flooded a ton of them. And then now that we have the power, I don't know if you saw, but Feinstein, we need every vote in order to pass any single judge. Anything. Yeah, yeah. And and there's like a part where I thought Feinstein was like getting a ton of shit because she's holding up these appointments. Yeah, right. Because of her health concerns. Because of her health. She's yeah. terrible health. She's right. like 90 or something. Yeah. And she's like... She needs to... I mean, at yeah. a certain point, I think we really do need a, an upper limit of age. I do too. I think Look, we, we have a upper limit look, of age. We have a minimum age... For some work. You should have a, you should have a maximum have a age. age. You have a minimum age for the presidency. There should be 35. a maximum age. There should, there should be a maximum I don't know age. why that's like, look, the thing is like, I'm not saying set the maximum age at like 65, right? But I am saying like, let's set it at 70. You know, like that's a long span. You've got a 35 year span to get in that door, right? If you can't get in that door in 35 years, you're not going to make it. I think there's a lot of reasons for it to be dangerous to have it would be a dangerous and unsteady thing from a leadership perspective to have a president have dementia in office, to yeah. die in office, yeah. to become incapacitated in office. Like that's not, that's just an inherently dangerous yeah. position, even though we have the backup guy. Yeah. I know people who's the vice president's for. Yeah. I know, but there's a, there's a fucking inherent danger to that, that we just don't want to press that button if we don't have to. Right. So maybe we should recognize that human lives have a fucking end date to them. Yeah. And as we approach it, maybe it's time to not have that job. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing, man. I think, <clears throat> you know, especially if you're holding up things like that yeah. because you're in poor health, man. Isn't Chuck Grassley in his nineties? 
dude, what I mean, the like fuck? He's in his nineties. And, and you're like, come yeah. on, man. And here's the thing: why do you still want to work in your nineties, uh, Cecil? I want to retire right now. I do too. Right now, tomorrow. If somebody was tomorrow. like, you can be, I'd be like, I'm so retired, it's if, ridiculous. If, if they let me retire tomorrow, I would light my work on fire. <laughs> I want to read a part of this, and I want to know what your take is on All it. Right. So, um, here's here's a here's a comment. In, from this article. To a secular liberal, it might seem distasteful for a Christian to consider Muslim or atheistic values morally inferior or want to have or want the government to promote Christian values. But to claim any set of values as your own is to find them superior in some meaningful sense to the alternatives and probably to hope that they would guide the decisions that your government makes on your behalf. So do you think that's a true statement? Because I don't know that I don't know that I agree. I think it's a half true statement. Yeah. I think it's I think yes. I think it's 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 like true to the point of being absurd and almost meaningless to say that if you believe in any set of values that you necessarily think that those values are better than other values. Otherwise I would have yes, I have to think that or I would have decided on other values. So if there's an issue at hand and I say, well, I think this yeah, I, I do think that that's the right decision. If I didn't, I would think a different thing. Yeah, I don't know, so, though. No, like, I'm not sure I agree. Here's where I don't agree. Like, like, when I think about values, I think that there's a lot of things that go into values that's more than thinking. There's action sure. that has to have and it has to exist, right? So my values are tempered by my own laziness, right? I don't every weekend go spend my whole weekend uh, at a homeless shelter or at a, you know, a whatever, a, like a, a, a food pantry. But sure. I know people who do. Right. And I think their values are superior to mine. I genuinely do. I think like those are good people. Those are people who are better than me. Yeah. They've chosen a different life path to give them I the opportunity to go do things, right? That they think, now don't get me wrong. I've done good work for charity in my life. Sure, I've right. done good work for charity, but I haven't done like, a whole Peace Corps life or a whole giving my life to help, you know, people, you know, like feeding hundreds of people a day with no thought of myself, right? A more selfless life. There's plenty of more selfless lives out there than the life I've lived and the thoughts yeah. and the morals that brought me to where I am. So I do think there's people out there with superior values to me, but I also recognize like the way I do things or the way I might do things is, is in a way tempered by my experience and my place in life and what my opportunity cost and all those things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does, does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess I would have separated your values from the action you take on your values. I see. So like, and and so there's a difference, I think, between holding a value and living a value. And I think like you would hold a value that would be absolutely in line with the same person who's working at the soup kitchen, right? You hold the same value. It's just that it's a weaker value for you and a stronger value for them. But at the end of the day, the principle that underlies it is the same. And that's kind of where I was thinking I of see, it from. I see, yeah. It's like just, because when I think about politics, which is like what this drives to for me, when I was thinking about politics and thinking about making decisions, like to me, those are, what are the principles involved? Because those principles have to be right to guide the actions that the government can or can't sure, take. Sure, So like, but when I hear that statement that you read, it's like, well, everybody thinks their values are the best values. And so it's sort of as this like relativistic kind of throwaway yeah, quality yeah. to right. it. Yeah, yeah. And I chafe at that because it's like, well, yeah, the problem is that 
Christianity or Islam or, you know, uh, religious Judaism, they are what I would consider like bucket values. Um, meaning there is a set of values which can't be sort of pulled apart from one another and still be Christian or still be Muslim or still be uh, religiously. But the difference with secular values is every topic can be considered independently without necessitating like removal from your, of yourself from the bucket. Do you know what I mean? There's a, it's coercive. Yeah. They're well, coercive ethics in some right. ways. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if I want to be a Christian, I have to believe these things. Yeah. Otherwise I lose my status and my identity sure. as a Christian. Yeah. But it's and like, you well, go to hell. And I you mean, go to like, hell. Like there's also the ability to right. like in your own brain to be punished for not thinking these right. things. So yeah. I guess it's like, yeah, like atheistic values are inherently better values because they're more flexible. Yeah, because I can, I can, and I can also change my mind, That's, which is yeah. something very different from like if I was from Islam and somebody said like, for instance, look at the the upheaval that goes on in, in say Iran because of headscarves. Right. Right. There are some that are pushing back, but if you have such a large group of people mm -hmm. there that are still trying to enforce a policy, mm -hmm. and then they continue to enforce those policies and then hurt people because of it and kill people right. because of it and throw them in jail because of it, you know, like like there's a group there that that you can't push against. You can't be outside of because you will be punished for. Right. Other people in the world can look and say, "Well, I don't agree with that. I think yeah. it doesn't." And that's and and it's a secular. I think I I do think in that way. Because secular values, in my mind, model how scientific thinking works, where I'm like, I will test that out and think and, and understand, does that fit with my worldview? Does that fit with my, my testing of this thing throughout the years? And then make that decision on whether or not it fits, mm -hmm. not just I read it somewhere and that's how it is. Right. And like, if you are, let's say like the, use the, the headscarf thing, if you are a Muslim and you are a devout Muslim, your ability to really consider the headscarf issue is hampered. Yes. How well can you really consider that? Because it's it's in the Muslim bucket. You can't pull it out of that bucket or you won't be a good Muslim. You're not even really allowed in that sense to consider it. So like, yeah, that relativistic nonsense, like kind of I feel annoyed by it whenever I read it. I'm just like, get out of here with that. Just get out of here. Go lay down with that. Lay. It's lazy. It's fucking, you know what I mean? Like I can pull it apart. Yeah. Who the fuck am I? Yeah. It's I, lazy. I read it and I was like, I'm not sure I agree. And I thought it was, it was interesting because it, it brought me down that thought path of like, like, cause I, I genuinely don't feel like I have the moral character of many people that have done great work. Absolutely yeah. the same. Yeah. I will say that like, I feel comfortable generally with my values and uncomfortable with my ability to act or desire to act on them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair, right? Yeah, you know, I like, think I'm lazier than my values. I think I am too. And I think that's a great way to, great way to think about it, right? Like I am lazier than my, well, my values would say, go do this thing, yeah. go donate, go do this. And yeah. then there's there's the laziness of my life. Yeah. And also the selfishness of my right. life, right? I, I'm not, I, don't be, I mean, who am I kidding? Like I'm selfish. Like I right. wanna, I wanna do these, I wanna hang out with my buddy instead right. of going to, you know, work at the soup kitchen on right. Thursday nights. And that's just a true thing that's just, yeah. about who I am. Like, do I value that? And so, but like politically, I wanna vote for that. I wanna throw our money behind yeah, that right. stuff. Yeah. I want to- like we, we should, we should, cause that's the other thing is like, if it all relies on me personally and everybody's individual personal decisions, yeah. we have to collectivize sure. this shit yeah, yeah. where nothing gets done. Yeah.
Because like, I'm just going to wake up on a Tuesday and be like, I'm not going to the soup kitchen. Well, and it's also like, if it's not in your planner, Tom, you're going to forget about it. I'm going to forget about it. you got a fucking 100%. There's a thousand percent chance if it's not in my calendar, it it's never calendar. happened. It'll never fucking nope. remember to do it. Nope. Uh. Nope. No, man. I'm like, I'm the, I'm just I, like, I'm a fucking goldfish without my calendar. Yeah. Like, I can't get any, like, like Haley will be like, when did you get, like, the, I have a great story for this. I told Haley the other day in the car, I was like, oh, I scheduled Aislinn's orthodontist appointment. When, when did you schedule it for? Oh, I have no idea. It's, it's in the calendar. It's in the calendar. And she's, so she's then like, well, was it like this month or next month or in the summer or at the end of the summer? I was like, oh no, I have literally no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I, what happens is Cecil, and this story gets yeah. funnier because like I said, what happens, hun, is like, they tell me the first available date. I open my calendar to see if there's a conflict. If there's no conflict, then I just enter. I put it on that date. Yeah. I don't know what that date is because that information, I don't need to hold that anywhere. <laughs> the calendar holds that information. So she's like, you have no idea if it's before or school starts. I was like, no, I don't know if it's 2024. <laughs> I don't know. She, the lady gave me a calendar. She gave me the first available. Uh, so that's, I couldn't have picked an earlier one. So that's the best one. Did you? I got the best one. So here's the best part. So then she's like, I was like, so just check the calendar, search the calendar. You'll find the search for orthodontist. She searches in the calendar. She's like, I can't find it, but I'm religious about my calendar. And I was like, oh, maybe I misspelled orthodontist. I'll find it. You know, like maybe I just typoed it, you know, ornithopter. What right. is happening? Yeah, what? <laughs> well, here's the funniest part. Then I searched for it when I get home because I was driving. We were having this conversation. Oh, no, I can't find it anywhere. It's oh, not in the calendar. No. So I was like, well, that's the weirdest thing. I don't make these mistakes. I said, I'll call the orthodontist in the morning and I'll figure it out. I guess maybe I made the appointment and didn't put it in the calendar. But in my brain, I'm like, that literally never happens because I don't have a backup system. This is that's the only the, that's system. That's the system. So I don't fuck that up. Yeah. So I call the orthodontist, Cecil. And I say, hey, you know, I'm Tom. Make, I, I made an appointment. This is the first time I've ever spoken to you. Yes. Are you kidding? I dreamed the whole thing. No way. I must have dreamed the whole no thing. No way. Are you serious? I told the lady on the phone. I was like, all right, so here's what happened. You right now are talking to a crazy person. And if you still make, accept new patients who have crazy parents, I guess I need to make an appointment for my stepdaughter. I am a crazy person. I swore and have memories of making an appointment with you. <laughs> but I have no evidence that it happened. And Cecil, because, because the calendar is not evident, I was like, it didn't happen. I dreamed it. And now I know I just dreamed it. Because that's it. Dude. Do you if think it, you dreamed it? For it's real? not in the calendar. It doesn't matter. I'm asking you a different I question. I can't know. I can't know. It's like, you have no idea like how shitty this brain I have is. Here, I'll give you another great example. Yes, you know. You, I have no know. Idea. you I, know. I, Haley will ask me like all the time, hey, where's this thing we have? And I'll say, I don't know, but I'll find it. And so she'll be worried. And she'll be like, is it lost? I'm like, no, I'll just, I don't know where, and I'll have to, I have to explain to her. I don't know where anything is. All I know is where I put things like that. So I don't remember where anything's at. I just know that I put things like that. In this drawer. In this drawer or that drawer. So it's not lost. I don't ever lose anything. But I have no idea where it's at. I literally don't know. So it's literally lost. It's lost. It's lost. But I will find it. It's because I only ever put things. It's lost in an area. Right. <laughs> I don't know where anything is. I can ask Haley at any time. Hey, she'll, like I'll put the groceries away and she'll and like. So she'll order groceries from like Instacart. I'll put the groceries away and then I'll go and she'll say, okay, like I got to, she's like, how many boxes of this did we get? And that did we get? You got to check off your groceries. And the first couple of times you did, I was like, I have no idea. I don't remember even putting that away. <laughs> I've just, 
Like I get a box and I know where that box goes. I love that you just wander through life like a fucking, like a robot. You're, I know why you're upset with AI. I know why. I know why. I don't know what's happening I know at all. why you don't want AI now. I'm busy in my own yeah, thoughts. See, so man, I'm like, wow. I'm in my head and it's just like, how many boxes of Rice Krispies do we get? I'm like, I didn't see any, but I put them away and they're in the right place. Oh, Tom. I'm just shitty, dude. All right, let's get back to the article. All right, <laughs> sorry. Quick, I just thought no, it was I funny. love it. It's a great story. It's a great story. So here's the other, here's the other quote I want to read. Uh, now, there is a guy in this uh in this article who gets caught like with a he's a Christian who's on a podcast and he writes a book and yeah. he's kind of a famous Christian or whatever. But then he gets caught with like a secret Twitter account telling black people to go away. Like it's a horrible, horrible. like a horrible. You're yeah. just like, oh, what a shit bag. So he gets caught. And so that, that's, this is where this, this leads off. The scandal was a big deal in the small world of intellectual Christian nationalism. That feels like an oxymoron. One different, uh, one difference between Wolf, that's the person, mm. that's the person who was caught and, uh, and then they say, and someone like Jerry Falwell, who believes many of the same things, is that Falwell could plausibly claim to be leading what he called a moral majority. Whereas many of today's Christian nationalists are keenly aware of their minority status and perhaps, as a consequence, less likely to worry about transgressing dominant social norms. And I wonder how true that is because when we think about Trump we think about, you know, how many evangelicals in this country voted and how many people identify with evangelicals. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the last election that Trump was in, he, 75 million people voted for yeah, him or something? which is I mean, an insane amount of people. There's a, there's a lot of people. This is not a minority. And Christianity is not a minority. Christian nationalism... I feel like it, there's a part of me that wonders if they're taking it as seriously as they should in this article. Cause I, I don't, I feel like they play up the minority because they want to be an underdog because mm -hmm. they know that gets people on their side, but I'm not so sure that this guy doesn't hold views of a third of the population of the United States. Yeah. I'm not sure that he doesn't either. The sense that I get is that Christian nationalism is rising even as Christianity is falling. Yeah. And that should be a contradiction, but to me is very much not. And I think the article kind of drives clumsily in that general yeah. direction, but doesn't go nearly far enough in stating it as, as explicitly. I think that Christian nationalism is very much on the rise in terms of its um, political and financial and social power. Um, even as Christianity drops. Because there's a point, like we were talking about before, where I think that Christianity can be fairly comfortably divorced from Christian nationalism. That 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 those ideas are sort of like almost becoming two separate concepts, like in the same way that Judaism and secular Judaism are functionally very different ideas. Like you can be a non-practicing secular Jew, but still culturally identify as a Jew. And that's not unusual or even contradictory. And I really think that like Christian nationalism is becoming very, very much like that, where people will identify with the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boberts and all the rest of these horrible, horrible fucking people. And whether or not they're like 
Christianity is important to them or not yeah, is yeah. like tangential to the issue. Right, right. You know? They all... They all kind of root for the same team. Right. Right. They feel yeah. like they feel very much like sports fans. It feels like yeah. mm-hmm. like politics and at this point, religion has become a lot more like which team you're rooting for than and much less about what that team represents and what that team believes in. You know what I mean? It I feels, do. It feels it feels like it wouldn't be out of place in any place in this country to have a whole entire stadium full of people with, you know, shirts that have Jesus riding a bald eagle into the sunset. Yeah, man. Like that a hundred percent wouldn't be an issue. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Would you bat an an eye eye at that? No. And that to me, to come back, like that to me feels like a new religion. Right. That to me feels like a new religion. I see what you're saying. So it feels like, it feels like it's morphing, that it's evolving and keeping God, the shittiest parts of its evolution. Yeah. And adding new shitty parts on. Yeah. It's almost like this is the third testament. It's like, it's like fucking the smog monster from Godzilla <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Gross. I feel like that's not untrue. Intuitively, I have that sense. Intuitively, yeah. I have that sense. I don't have anything like super yeah, empirical I mean, to back I mean, that up. Well, you know, you see, I mean, there are some signs when you look at you know, the rise of Trumpism and the the crazy, I mean, while he's in office, he's giving these, you know, stadium talks. Yeah. They feel like sermons. They do. They feel they like feel, evangelical sermons. They there's feel a, very much like that. There's a worshiping yeah. that is going on. Yeah. There's a, and, and like, like you said, like if Jesus is riding on the bald eagle and like, you know, you got fucking Jesus with an AK-47 or AR-15 or whatever, that is a new religiosity. That's a new testament of American Christianity, which is really a different thing than Christianity itself. Sure. And they sort of borrow and pull parts from each other and mish them all up together. And you have this gray sludge now that is like, because before we had this binary where there was Christianity and there was not Christianity, where there was, and and Christianity for a long time, um, and, and I think structurally, has in its nature binaries as a definitional feature, right? Heaven and hell, good and evil. Like yeah. these binaries are part of are part of how Christianity works. But now everything seems to be in flux. And now like this like hyper patriotic, nationalistic, jingoistic version of America seems to have become religionized. Yeah. Into this sort of weird backwater political urbanized uh Protestantism. Yeah. And I don't know what that all looks like when it's smushed together, but I it's like pornography. Like I I know it when I see it. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know right. none of that means a lot, but I feel like that just feels intuitively true to me to be like where we're at now. I just I just very much wish <clears throat> that there were more Christians against these bad Christians. Man, I do too. It doesn't feel like they're on our side. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're they're with us pointing out the the badness of Christianity, right? I feel like that like it it should be my job to to if I'm going to be part of it, unless I'm going to reject it. Either I reject it 
or if I'm going to defend it and stay with it, then I've got to I've got to clean the house. Right. Yeah. I've got to get rid of the things that are bad. Yeah. And to not clean the house, at least publicly, right? Like, here's the thing: it could be happening all across the country in small parishes. There could be these fights between these two warring parties of a Christian uh, congregation. Right. Right. It could be a left and right fight. It could it could be happening. A racist versus non-racist portion of your congregation. But I don't see it. No. I don't hear about it. And and wouldn't you make a giant stink about it if that was you? Like I feel like you should, right? You should be making it a big deal. Yeah. And to to I mean, fucking Martin Luther sure did. Yeah, I know, you right? Know? Yeah, I I get this sense that like for the last maybe 50, 60 years the religious have sacrificed their principles in favor of results and expediency. And that constant sacrificing of this principle and that principle and this principle and that principle in order to get the political result that they wanted or in order to wield a certain amount of political power in the hopes of getting overturned or the hopes of getting the Johnson Amendment overturned or the hopes of all of these political... I think it has made the marriage of politics and religion now a permanent blending. Yeah. Yeah. And I think their, their principles have just like completely fallen by the wayside. Now it's sort of like a religion of expediency yeah. and results. Yeah. Results, results. Yeah. Results-based religion, Yeah, which is the first time in history that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> the worst results. I know it's the worst results too. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll catch you guys on Monday with a new show, uh, but we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.